0: In this episode, we start a three-part series as we count down the top 10 shows of 2022. Today, we're going to start at 10 and work our way down to number eight in our rankings. So in that, here's the topics we're going to hit on today's show. We're going to be talking carbon credits, a rancher-founded beef packing plant, and using weather data to make stocking decisions. Those are the first three in our countdown to the top 10 shows of 2022. So stick around for today's episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. Welcome you here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. We thank you for joining us here on our program today. We're going to get into what we're going to be talking about on our show here today in just a few moments. But first of all, just kind of wanting to check in with you. How are you doing? I'll tell you what, the weather that we have seen across the country this last week and what we uh, could be seeing here in the weeks to come is, well, I'll tell you what, it's quite abrupt, to put it lightly. And I, I re- think back to my years in FFA and the FFA creed that said the time talked about the joys and discomforts of agricultural life well this kind of weather is one of those what i classify as one of the discomforts of agricultural life but nevertheless uh, we're going to talk weather more later in our show as meteorologist don day will be joining us to give us what it looks like here for the coming weeks and of course the captain tim O'Byrne will be by in just a few moments to uh, give us his tim's two cents for this week he is the editor and publisher of working ranch magazine and uh, he'll be dropping in on that by the way if you do not have your subscription to Working Ranch Magazine. The January-February issue is going to be coming out soon, and it is another great one. And I encourage you to check it out by getting your subscription started here today. Go to WorkingRanchMag.com, and you can get started today. Now, for today's show, though, as I said in the opening, we're going to be starting a three-part series where we work, down, work through the top 10 shows of 2022. And we'll start at 10 and work our way down all the way to number one. So our third show in this series will be Feature our, our three, two, and one shows. Today is eight, nine, and ten, and we've brought in the accounting firm of Dewey, Cheatham, and how <laughs> and uh, we kept them sober long enough to where we could uh, put through some rankings and some weighted rankings, and and got together a list that I think will work. Uh, that will give us our top ten uh, shows for 2022 here of the Working Ranch Radio Show, and we're not going to be playing the whole shows by no means, but we're going to be playing a snippets of it or a, a portions of it so that you have an idea idea of what it was a little bit about, but I would also encourage you to go and find these shows and download them uh, when you can on our podcast site at WorkingRanchRadio.com. And you can find those shows, download them there, and uh, listen to them. There's also some some of these shows will have some extra resources that you can download, white papers and different other things that you can get to. And so we'll talk about those when we get to those shows. But today we're going to be looking at shows uh, 8, 9, and 10. So stick around for that. Right now, though, let's check in with the captain, Tim O'Byrne, for this week's edition of Tim's Two.
1: Hey, Justin. Hey, everybody out there in Working Ranch radio Land! Justin, you are dangerously close to your 100th episode here of this amazing podcast slash radio show. Congratulations on that. To all the folks that came out here to Las Vegas, Nevada for the Wrangler NFR, I hope you had a great time and a safe trip back home. And Justin, you know when you stumble across something and you weren't really looking for it? Well, that's what happened to me. I was uh, proofing. We just got done with the Jan Feb issue. It went to press last week and, or a couple days ago. And I got to looking on page 125 of the Buyer's Corral. And I noticed a new ad there. that I hadn't seen it before. Uh, Talking Total Farmer Health Podcast. Agrisafe.org with Carrie Portel. Now, i got to tell you, I went to their website and had a look at it. And uh,
2: have a listen. Welcome to the Talking Total Farmer Health podcast from AgriSafe Network at AgriSafe. We work to protect the people that feed the world by supporting the health and safety professionals, ensuring access to preventative services for farm families and the agriculture community. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Carrie Portel, and today we are going to talk about youth safety in ag. Now, this is a broad topic and it's one that is important year round. So, we're going to start off by talking to Chris Shivers, who will talk about two youth safety programs that they have in Mississippi. And then we will end by talking to Marcia Saltzweedle, who will give us a comprehensive overview of important health and safety topics for youth in ag. So,
1: this is pretty cool. They've got a bunch of very interesting topics here. Um, Gratitude, anhydrous ammonia, heirs property, uh, succession planning, tick-borne diseases, mental health, grain bin safety, and then this one, of course, youth safety on the farm. Respiratory health, mental health resources for farmers, health insurance, concerns for older adults working in agriculture. Folks, check it out, agrisafe.org. Go to page 125 of the Jan, Feb, 2023 issue of Working Ranch Magazine. And we need to congratulate ourselves. That is the 18th year of Working Ranch Magazine. Kicking it off back to you, Justin, in the booth.
0: Thanks, Captain. And you know, you talked about uh, just getting things started at 18 years for Working Ranch Magazine. Well, congratulations to you as well, because I know you've been with it from the start. And uh, to Drew Lawler, who's the owner of the magazine, to all the team with Working Ranch Magazine for the efforts of uh, over the years of the many folks that have been a part of growing that uh, publication to what it is here today. And one of the most respected uh, news sources, media sources out there here when it comes to livestock agriculture. And so congratulations. Congratulations to you all at Working Ranch Magazine for starting year number 18. Well, right now, let's thank our sponsors of the Working Ranch Radio Show, ZenPro Availa 4. Allow your cows and calves to perform to their full potential with ZenPro Availa 4. And Gain Smart Mineral by Biozyme. increase pasture utilization with the firm Advantage found in all GainSmart minerals. Find out more at GainSmart.com. Performance Ranch, don't keep your cow-calf-herd data in a notebook. Keep it right there in the cloud with performance ranch find out more at performance livestock analytics.com and finally the american simmental association and with bull buying season uh gonna take a little bit of a break here for the next couple three weeks due to do the holidays it's gonna pick back up again as we head into 2023 and the american simmental association invites you to realize that one of the most natural ways that you can increase growth in your calves is through heterosis which is why with simmental it's more per head period sim genetics find out more at simmental.org we'll stick around coming up after the break we'll begin as we start the top 10 countdown of episodes of 2022 of the working ranch radio show after the break we'll get into what show ranked in the number 10 spot when we come back on the working ranch radio show cattle producers, here's a way to put more dollars in your pocket. Put the AmiFirm advantage found in all GainSmart mineral to work in your cow herd. AmiFirm is the industry leader in increasing fiber digestion. In fact, research shows putting AmiFirm to work increases forage utilization by 10%, reducing overall forage costs and allowing you to graze more animals per acre. That's a big time return on your investment. To find which GainSmart mineral formula is right for your Heard, visit Gainsmart.com.
3: Don't keep your cow-calf herd data in a notebook. Keep it in the cloud with Performance Ranch and say so long to decoding handwritten notes. Performance Ranch is an easy-to-use app that simplifies record-keeping and makes decision-making easier. Keep track of herd inventory, monitor health records, and manage costs, all from your iPad or iPhone. Group texting important herd data? Delete it. Use Performance Ranch instead. Go to performancelivestockanalytics.com and be the first to know when Performance Ranch is ready to launch.
0: And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills as we're counting down the top 10 episodes of 2022, and we're going to start uh, in this segment here looking at the show that came in ranked number 10 in our list, and it was episode 85, Should I Sell My Carbon Credits? And it went out on our podcast site on Friday, September 2nd, and it was uh, an interview that I did with Dr. Clay Mathis with the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management, as well as carbon credit expert, Dr. Jason Sawyer, and an attorney. Uh, Tiffany Lashman with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension. A great show, great topic, I believe, because it's definitely something that a lot of us ranchers uh, have been thinking about or wanted to know more about. And it, uh, my show came on the heels of them doing a webinar that was entitled the same thing, Should I Sell My Carbon Credits? And uh, we were kind of going off of that, and they also released an official white paper. And in fact, if you go to this podcast site, you will find a link to both of those things. But we're going to jump into uh, my interview, and the first uh, person we're going to be hearing from is Dr. Clay Mathis. Let's jump into a part of that show, episode 85 on Should I Sell My Carbon Credits? Dr. Mathis, let's start with you. And and from a perspective, this is a big deal uh, for the ranching industry, which is why you, as the director of the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management, thought, I mean, this is something that you you guys kind of just looked at and said, we need to get this out in front of ranchers. And so it is a big topic.
4: Yeah, this question of should I sell
5: carbon credits, is a, it's a big one. Um, it's one that uh, many of the producers in this industry have been asking for the last couple of years and um, we came together at the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management and decided that we needed to put together a a rapid action team that would dig into this and try to pull together the best information that we have today. Um, So we assembled this team um, and we had a webinar on it just recently. We wrote a white paper, all of these things, just to try to help producers be able to make better decisions in a really uh, uncertain and emerging market area.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and I believe that in that webinar, you guys did a good job of addressing there. one of the things that really comes out in that webinar is the fact that this is a new and emerging market, and there's just a lot of unknowns, which is thus the purpose of of that webinar in our program here today. Uh, because it is so new, and, and we understand certain, probably some very basics of it, I do think it's important that we take a little bit of time here to get into uh, do maybe getting on the same page about some of the definitions and the elements that are out there with that. And Dr. Uh, Sawyer, I want to go to you. Uh, Dr. Jason Sawyer is also joining us, as I said, at the top of the program. He is the chief science officer for the East Foundation. And Dr. Sawyer, let's get some foundation to this whole carbon credit element that's out there so that we can really, from a basis standpoint, be all talking the same thing.
4: You bet, Justin. You know, as Clay said, this is certainly an issue that's been in everybody's conversation for a while now. And really, the notion of carbon credits has been with us for, oh, 20 or 30 years. But we're still not always sure what exactly it means. And so the easiest way for me to describe that for somebody is that if plants take carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere, move it through their root system, and put it into a form so that it sta- stabilizes and stays in the soil, then one metric ton of carbon dioxide removed from the atmosphere represents a carbon credit. Now, what, that, what happens to that carbon or carbon dioxide underground is that it's set aside, it's sort of removed from circulation in the carbon cycle. And that's where we get this notion of sequestration, right? We've set something aside. And really what this emergent marketplace for land managers is, is about, can we measure and quantify and trace that removal of CO2 from the atmosphere in a way that allows others to utilize that as credits to offset their debits to the atmospheric account.
0: So, when we talk about some of the production risks that are out there with this, what would some of those production risks be?
4: Oh, that's a great question. So, you know, just because we've established demand for the thing, um, now we have to create supply, right? And this is what ranches do all the time. We produce products. You know, we tend to think about beef products as an example. Um, We're really good at producing, but if our goal is now to produce carbon credits that we can market, then we should think about the same sorts of production risk that we're exposed to all the time. Some big ones to think about in this space are how much of that production do I actually control? So we talked about the primary way for carbon credits to be produced is through plant growth but i'm not really fully in control of plant growth on a given year on my ranch Mm -hmm. um you know the weather has a lot to say about that the season of the year my soil type and texture and so we would like to be able to predict how much production of carbon we can generate from a given ranch but unfortunately today we don't have great tools to make that prediction and so certainly one source of what I call production risk in this market is a ranch's ability to accurately predict and manage the rate of carbon accumulation in their soil profile. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's some other sources of, of production risk that we might want to consider as well. And you know, one of those is is our soil at some sort of capacity or saturation. Can we actually accumulate more carbon than, than what's already there? You know, this is a, an open question. There's, there's certainly some indication that all soil types might have some upper capacity or upper limit. There's some other data that suggests that um, while that may exist, we're all very far away from it and there's room to grow. But nobody can be totally definitive about that. So, I have some, some capacity risk, you might say, the weather risk that we talked about, and then you know, just the, the risk of being able to measure the change. Mm-hmm. So we're, when we start talking about measuring relatively small changes over really large and diverse landscapes, that's a pretty difficult thing to accomplish. And so one of the sources of risk here is that I might actually go out and manage my ground in a certain way that actually does achieve the goal, right? I actually accumulated more carbon, for example, Mm -hmm. but because it's variable and it's variable across the landscape, I might not have enough sampling capacity to be able to even detect the change. And therefore, I can't market the product because I can't prove that I have it. Mm-hmm. So, in a nutshell, those are a couple of what we see as the key sources of production risk, you might say, in, in this environment that managers need to be thoughtful about before they commit.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's go now into transactional risks. And I'm going to go now to Tiffany Lashmitt. She is the agriculture lawyer with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension. And Tiffany, I appreciate you joining us here on this because I really enjoyed your portion of that webinar because this is uh, this is a situation where it's a business deal. It needs to be viewed as a business deal between two businesses. and And you were very clear, very clear indeed of the... The most important thing they need to do, and what was that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me, uh, giving me the opportunity to speak with you. Yeah. So, the most important thing that I tell any landowner looking at a carbon contract is it's critical that you read the contract uh, and and really get into the details, understand the intricacies. None of these contracts are written the same. Uh, you know, they're not created equally. There's a lot of sort of you know, nitpicky or kind of what you might consider fine print in here that can have major impacts on your operation if you're not paying attention.
0: And I think we'll cut in here. It'd be nice to be able to play more, but I think there's enough there to give you the idea that this, if you do have a lot of questions about selling your carbon credits, go to this show, episode 85 that aired on Friday, September 2nd, and you can go back and you can listen uh, to our guests, Dr. Clay Mathis, Dr. Jason Sawyer, attorney Tiffany Lashmet, about this topic that I think is very relevant to a lot of us in agriculture. And as I said before, there are some reference links in there. There's a link to that webinar that they aired there with the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management. Also, there's an official white paper that has a lot of stuff. If you like reading about some of this, those are the two references. I would encourage you to go and find it. So number 10 in our top 10 list for 2022 as we get started here was episode 85, Should I Sell My Carbon Credits? Well, stay with us. Coming up after the break, we're going to take a look at what show was in the number nine hole of our rankings for 2022 when we come back on the Working Ranch Radio Show.
3: Set up the next generation for a productive lifetime with Zimpro Avela 4. Achieve productive success in your cows with 20% increased conception rate and a 16-day tighter calving interval. Calves from cows supplemented with Zinpro hit the ground running with improved immunity and 28 more pounds at weaning. Allow your cows and calves to perform to their full potential with Zinpro Avela 4.
0: And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills as we're counting down the top ten shows from 2022, and it's being done as we look at the numbers from uh, the downloads that we've seen on each show through uh, all of the different various podcast platforms that are out there. And we look at first week downloads, one month downloads, and total downloads, and we kind of have to skew a little bit of the total downloads because some shows maybe haven't had as many of as much time to accumulate downloads, so we kind to do a power ranking and all of that. So in a way, you, the listeners that listen through podcast platforms out there that we're all on, uh, you have been the voters of today's episode. So we appreciate you, first of all, for taking the time to listen to our show and for and downloading these programs. In the previous segment, we hit number 10. It was episode 85, Should I Sell My Carbon Credits? And here's the show that hit the number nine ranking and it was episode 97, Sustainable Beef LLC from Pipe Dream to Reality. Now that was just a very recent show show that aired on december 2nd of this year but it had quite a few first week rankings in it and this was a, a conversation that i had with trey wasserberger out of north platte nebraska he's a co-founder and a rancher that as we came to as we talked about how he and several other ranchers came together to and have now started in fact ground has broken on a 1500 head packing facility in north platte nebraska let's jump in as we hear part of that conversation today on that episode 97 sustainable beef llc from pipe dream to reality with my guest trey wasserberger Trey, I, I might've got the card a little bit ahead of the horse here because we jumped right into what, what's going on here. Uh, and let's back up and let's, let's start from, and you talked a little bit about that as, as far as just the issues at hand that made this all start to happen. But first of all, what we're talking about is sustainable beef LLC. And so who's a part of this deal?
5: Yeah. So there's about seven founders that are involved with sustainable beef and, uh, Um, three, um, cattle feeding families, um, are involved, uh, obviously me and my father-in-law, Kirk Olson, and then, uh, Pete and Cassie Lapisotis, and then Bob Maxwell, uh, Rolling Stone Feeders. And they're all within 200 miles of the plant in North Platte. And also our CEO, David Briggs, he's really done the heavy lifting. He, he owns and operates, or he operates a co-op in, um, Alliance called Wesco in Western Nebraska. Um, he's just, He's a hard worker. He's a workhorse. He's he's a great leader, and he, and we wouldn't be here without him. And also Bill Jackman, who's from Grant, Nebraska, for, uh, originally. As you might know, he was a basketball player, played for Duke, later on in the NBA. And uh, yeah, and then also our last and final founder was a very very important piece of the puzzle, and that's uh, Mr. Bill Rupp. Uh, Mr. Bill Rupp is a um, former CEO of Cargill Beef Business and JBS Swift. Um, lives in um, Loveland, Colorado. We wouldn't be here without him. We originally had him as a consultant early on, uh, obviously a bunch of cattle feeders trying to build a packing plant. That's like trying to build a rocket ship to Mars is what I compared to. And we went out and hired the best guy we that was available at the time. When, that was Bill Rupp. And he believes in this uh, project so much that he invested as a founder and, and sits on the board. And, and um, he's really, really him and his team, Brian Dirksen. And and Jeff Smith, both are retired from Cargill as well. One is an engineer, and one's an operations guy. Um, they're in the process of designing the plant now, and it's really really cool because these guys all are formerly from the Big Four in some way or form. Mm. But they've always been told to: here's a building, um, make it work, you know, mm. and 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 process four, five, six thousand head a day, and kind of retrofit it, you know, the big major plant that most of our fat cattle go to down the road um, was an old combine facility, combine harvester uh, facility where they built combines and they retrofitted it to kill 5,000 head a day now. And that's just, you know, that's incredibly hard. So um, this, this team, um, Bill Routh and and Brian Dirksen and Jeff Smith are really um, having a lot of fun with this and designing it how they want to. And they've actually used the quote, um, if they could ever have built a plant, and why they were, um, in their former positions, they'd had it in North Platte, Nebraska. Yeah. And that's kind of how this all kind of worked. It was a lot of small events, right? Um, mm-hmm. a friend of a friend introduces <laughs> us and, and all of a sudden we got some, some, North Platte people involved and they, so the cool part about North Platte is we can hit either border, Canada or Mexico, um, in about 12 hours in a truck.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: And also we can hit, uh, each coast about 24 hours in a truck. So you know, Central America. And let's not forget, there's three C's to this, um, basically to this project. And one is city, um, the site, of course, which is huge, having a community that wanted this kind of economic impact. And next is cattle. And of course, um, no secret about Nebraska. and uh, We quote ourselves from being the beef beef state, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's agriculture is our state's largest industry and the beef industry generates like $10.6 billion in cash receipts per year, which is half of the state's entire receipts. So it's a huge business here. Number one in the nation for commercial cow slaughter, number two for beef exports, commercial red meat, and total cow herd. And uh, so it was just a very great place to build a packing plant. And so we got together. It started, you know, and and basically in August of 2020, which I'll take you back. You know, we we all remember what happened. I still Mm -hmm. remember uh, the why of this project. And one of the major whys was August 9th, 2019. And that was a Holcomb fire. And, um, I was on my way to the summer video, Western video, um, there in Cheyenne. And, and, uh, we saw the board drop the limit, uh, one day, and then we saw it drop the limit again the next day and, um, on sheer panic. And, you know, it was a fire that calls the fire that caused minimal volume losses, mm-hmm. um, Raw beef production, like we were shipping cattle to different places, um, Tyson did a very, very good job of dictating where these cattle would go because um, you know, it was one of the largest plants. I mean, it was an electrical fire in the Holcomb plant, which is uh, one of seven plants that can harvest six thousand head a day. So that's a big hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's only one other plant that's bigger than them, and that's Dakota City, another Tyson plant that kills about seven thousand. The inter- interesting part was uh, the Holcomb fire was when it. The aftermath of it, of sheer panic on both sides, as cattle feeders and as uh, as as packing packers, it really didn't move the needle much. I mean, the week after the fire, they, they killed a very, very large amount. I mean, they started killing on Saturdays and, and had huge kills coming out of it. I think the last week of August, you know, three weeks after it, after the plant was shuttered, they killed 644,000 head uh which is the same number as this in the, as the same week the year before. So really did it have yeah. uh did it really uh disturb the market like we thought? No. Uh the packers did a really really good job getting these cattle filled, but it completely panicked the CME. Yeah. and market out and so I've always remembered that and then that was in 2019 and what happened in 2020 here yeah. came a pandemic, global yeah. pandemic. And um I mean, completely disrupted the packing industry. Uh, they were really one of the—if you remember in the news—that spring, uh, they were really one of the You know, in March and April of 2020, they were really one of the major industries hit because of close confinement. You know, there's a lot of reasons why, but um, close confinement in the plant and also colder air uh, allows the back—you know—the virus to live longer, and it was just. Uh, Panic in the streets Mm -hmm. on all account. I mean, shelves were empty. Uh, We couldn't get cattle in everywhere. I was sourcing fat cattle all to places I never even could imagine. But uh, packing capacity was huge. And, you know, like you said, it was a perfect storm. And you got an overabundance of cattle and small kills and COVID running rampant. And I read the other day, it was like it, it disturbed the market. Now, this is real this is a real disruption of the market. It cost the mark the beef industry like 11.2 billion dollars is what it came out to after, uh, according to a study by a, a professor from the University of Arizona. So that tells you the disruption that we saw, and you know, it, it was a problem.
0: Yeah, Trey, you, you talked about the four C's just a, a moment ago, and something that we didn't talk about earlier on. We've talked about the cost of building this facility, but that money just doesn't grow on trees out there or on, on the, on the ears of the cattle out there. So how do you come up with $325 million?
5: Well, maybe I should be asking you because it was probably, (laughs) I told this is Pete Lapisodas. He's a founder and a cattle feeder. He told me right at the beginning, he said, uh, raising the capital will be the hardest part because in agriculture, we don't have any cash. I mean, we have assets and you're not going to go to, uh, you're not gonna to go to any large bank and be like, well, I got this ranch I'd like to put up for this Greenfield startup. Um, you know, that's just not gonna happen. You're just not gonna, and, th- and it, that's that's the truth. Are, are you gonna leverage everything you have to get this done? Are you gonna go out and sell the idea and raise the raise the money for this idea? And you know what, we talked to every cattle feeder I know. I went, sat at their kitchen table and told them, this is what this is about. You can buy shackle space. You can, you can put equity into the company. And you know what? Probably we, we got about 20 feed yards hooked up. Um, that was our network because this didn't, this project didn't fit everybody. Um, cattle feeders are not just like ranchers. They're not all created equal. Um, every packer deal is different. And I learned that. and I'm going to be very uh, transparent about that. I was ignorant to that idea. I thought all cattle feeders were the same <laughs> until I sat down and talked to, Fifty of them. Did I realize how different we are? And this didn't fit some people's plan. And uh, but it but it fits. You know, our three founder cattle feeding families. It fit us to a T. And this is something we needed to be sustainable. And then also the people that consign cattle. Um, we didn't get large feeders. We did They've got a pack deal. They're they're taken care of. Um, we've got the small farmer feeders out there that have you know a thousand cows feed their own, and then. When their own calves leave, they fill it with something else in the off season. And that that's that's who this fits. Now they have a place to kill their cattle. And that that's never been done before. And we're happy to supply that. And there's going to be premiums involved with that. Um, so was it hard? It's incredibly hard. No one could have ever prepared me how much work this could have taken. And David Briggs, our CEO, he's just a very, very responsible, um, well-liked. He's got a great demeanor amount of Mount him. He's not arrogant. He can walk into the room with some of the biggest players in the industry and go toe-to-toe with them. And that guy brought us to the promised land, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. He got uh, he got the investments, and he got the capital raised, and got the capital stack, and allowed producers to maintain majority. He is something else, and we, the project wouldn't be here without him. And uh, it was incredibly hard. But uh, if you've got – I heard Elon Musk on a podcast the other day. Mm-hmm is there to asking him how much money he's buried into going to Mars. Yeah. <laughs> they are like, why are you doing this? Like why? He's like, well, cause I, I can't go a day without thinking about it. And all it's all it possesses me in my sleep and, and during the day and I want to go and you'll do things if it's important enough for you, even though the chances of failure are high, if it's important enough for you, you'll see it through. And I just like, it resonated with this, me and this project and my team and, the sustainability project as a whole. And this is important to us. This is important to us as a, as a company, this is important to us as cattle feeders and cow calf producers and um, as a community and as, as an industry. And so, we had the audacity to see it through.
0: And that's just a part of my conversation that I had with Trey Wasserberger on Sustainable Beef LLC in North Platte, Nebraska. That's, uh, as I said earlier, they've already broken ground on that. Now, I encourage you to go and find this episode and let's take a listen to it, because we talk more about some of their partners, one of those being Walmart. And if you want to hear about how that came about and what that entails, uh, go ahead and take a listen. The Episode 97, Sustainable Beef LLC, from Pipe Dream to Reality, that aired on Friday, December 7th that is the show that holds the number nine ranking in our top 10 shows from 2022. Well, stay with us when we come back as we're continuing our top 10 shows of 2022. What show was it that was in the number eight slot in our rankings? Well, stay with us after the break. You'll find out what that is when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show.
3: Don't keep your cow-calf herd data in a notebook. Keep it in the cloud with Performance Ranch and say so long to decoding handwritten notes. Performance Ranch is an easy-to-use app that simplifies record-keeping and makes decision-making easier. Keep track of herd inventory, monitor health records, and manage costs all from your iPad or iPhone. Group texting important her data? Delete it. Use Performance Ranch instead. Go to performancelivestockanalytics.com and be the first to know when Performance Ranch is ready to launch.
0: And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills as we are counting down the top 10 shows of 2022. And we hope you're enjoying it. It is a little bit different, but we're going to spend this episode and the next two episodes after that working through our top 10 lists as we brought in the the accounting firm of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe. We got them sobered up enough so they could go through the results and tabulate something for us. And we come up with a list of top 10. And uh, we've already went through 10 and 910 was eight episode 85, Should I Sell My Carbon Credits? In the number 9 spot was episode 97, Sustainable Beef LLC, From Pipe Dream to Reality, and the show coming in at number 8. It was episode 80, Using Long-Term Forecasts for Stocking Decisions, and this aired on Friday, July 29th of this past summer. And it was an interview I did with E.J. Rayner, who's a research scientist with the USDA Ag Research in Colorado, and Reda Brueger with the Colorado State Extension. As we were discussing an 80-year project that's been done on weather cycles and then how that correlates to production on ranchers. In addition, coming up with a decision tree tool that they feel can be used to help ranchers make management decisions when it comes to stocking rates. Now, this show also had a lot of reference material with it, so you're going to want to go to the podcast site at WorkingRanchRadio.com or on your podcast platform that you like to use, and you can scroll down through that and you can find a lot of those links. So let's tune in now as we hear a portion of episode 80 using long-term forecasts for stocking decisions. Uh, I want to start first by by setting this up because we're going to get into a study that you uh, that EJ that I know you have uh, have done on this we're going to talk more about it later but let's first set this up because as I said just a moment ago we do and are starting to accumulate more and more data about our weather and I believe that was something that you saw that said man okay we've got this data then how do we use that so let's start that way and talk about what you were seeing as you you saw some real value in the data that we're, that we've been able to accumulate in the country that gives us this ability.
6: Yeah. Uh, thanks again for this opportunity, Justin. Uh, so this work uh, providing early warning signs for stock stocking decisions in the Eastern Plains of Colorado or short grass steppe where you have a blue grandma dominated range um, really hails from uh, some work going on and, Fort Collins in Cheyenne, Wyoming, led by uh, Justin Derner at the Rangeland Resources and Systems Research Unit. And this work really takes into account about 80 years of livestock weight gain or yearling steer weight gain data data collection, which began in in 1939 in Nunn, Colorado, where rangeland managers... Working for the Forest Service at the time, before the station became a property of the Agricultural Research Service, uh, we're really trying to answer the question of how can we utilize animal agriculture in this land that had recently experienced a pretty severe problem in the in the role of the the Dust Bowl, where row crop agriculture was deemed to be inadequate for providing income to ranch to families in this region. So the government. together some grazing intensity studies using light, moderate, and heavy stock pasture to understand the role of grazing intensity across those three different stocking levels in providing uh, weight gain or beef on this landscape. The outcome that is delivered in in some of our work is relative to moderate stocking where in our pastures, which are about half-section pastures, 320 uh, acre pastures stocked with about uh, 15 to 20 head in moderate stock pasture, yearling steers, 10 head in light stock pasture, and around 25 to 35 in heavy stock pasture, depending on the year, Um, really informs us how to use uh, climate modes, the Pacific Decadal Oscillation, which is a large-scale climate driver driven by sea surface temperature anomalies in the northern pacific ocean and this flips from a cold to a warm phase every 15 to 30 years and when you're in a warm phase this is can be seen like a bathtub carrying uh, warm water so steam is being able to be carried eastward with the uh, jet stream to provide uh, precipitation for forage production Now, when that is interacting with an El Nino year, which is El Nino Southern Oscillation, Mm -hmm. something that occurs down in the equator, and it flips from warm to cold every one to three years, when both you're a warm PDO and a, a warm El Nino, you have a higher stability of forage production from year to year. Whereas if you are in a cold El Nino, which is called the La Nina, this is when Precipitation variability is, is high, and, and then you really need to mind how many head you stock early in the grazing season. And we'll elaborate on that mm-hmm. further. But I just wanted to set up this uh, experiment that has been going on since 1939 and, and give you an understanding of how we're using these management strategies to inform stocking decisions in the short grass step.
0: Mm-hmm. I think uh, the the other thing, and, and we've had lots of discussion with uh, meteorologist Don Day that joins us at the end of every program, gives us a long-term weather update, and we've had also just some shows with him where we've talked about some of the patterns of weather that we've seen, and and that was something that, you know, we've talked about here on the show that really, you really see some relevance that I, at this point in time, you've got to study here, now it's a matter of we really need to dive into this, and 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 then begin to use this reference, this data that you have in order to make it work.
6: Yes, exactly. We were lucky enough to work with researchers at Colorado State University, Bill Parton, a climatologist or climate expert. And where he had been looking at forage production in relation to these large scale climate modes. And we took it to the next step, looking at secondary production or animal Mm -hmm. weight gain. And that's how this, this project really began. Mm -hmm. And luckily, we had 80 years of data to work with in light, moderate, and heavy stock pasture.
0: Mm -hmm. In this, there was kind of a decision tree that you put up that basically we could take what are we, you know, the data that we have right now and place that into a process that would help us to go down through that. And, you know, one of the things I, I didn't mention early on that uh, was important is, you know, do we have a drought plan? Do, do us as ranchers on your operation, do you have a drought plan? Because this decision tree can be implement can help you in implementing that. So let's talk about that process and, and, and how that would work.
3: Yeah,
6: Justin. So we developed a decision support tool in the form of a decision tree using about 80 years of livestock or yearling steer weight gain data at the Central Plains Experimental Range near Nunn, Colorado. And within this eight decade data set, we had a handful of of drought years and a handful of of really good precipitation years, and then many average years. And within that data set, uh, animals were stocked at light, moderate and heavy across the same pastures each year with season long grazing. Um, management strategies. Now, this decision tree operates on three time periods or time temporal scales. So you have the Pacific decadal oscillation phase, which is either cold or warm, and that depends on the, the sea surface temperature in the North Pacific for the decade that you are of, are interested in. Mm-hmm. So currently we are in a warm phase PDO, whereas during the 2012 drought, for instance, that was the end of a cold phase PDO for Pacific Decadal Oscillation. Okay. Then the next temporal period or or tier of interest is something that changes not on the 10 to 30-year cycle like the Pacific Decadal Oscillation, but the El Nino Southern Oscillation, which changes from cold to warm every one to three years. And then you also have local precipitation amount, which is provided with pretty good skill or accuracy in three months in advance through uh, local weather outlets. Now, taking these three different time periods or scales of precipitation, you can have an idea of reducing the uncertainty and making a bad decision in, in Decreasing the amount of head stocked in a pasture relative to a moderate stocking rate or increasing.
0: Mm-hmm. And that was just a portion of my interview that we had with E.J. Raynor with USDA out of Colorado and Retta Brueger with Colorado State Extension talking about using long-term forecasts for stocking decisions. And folks, I guess I part of the reason that this was a topic that I wanted to bring, and I think it's very, very relevant, is first of all, weather does have a lot of effects to us in agriculture. But I believe that as we begin to continue to get more and more weather data, that it is going to become something and there's going to be tools more readily available to us as ranchers that will help us, uh, such as their decision tree that they talked a little bit about there. But even more, we're going to find that we have that ability to really maybe not just I just really nail it down to the exact day or, or time of when weather's going to happen but at least on a yearly basis to know how we need to be making management decisions and I think it's going to be very critical for us in agriculture this is a tip of the iceberg I feel and I think this show uh, starts that and so I encourage you to go back and listen to episode 80 using long-term forecast for stocking decision that was the show that ranks number eight in our top 10 shows for 2022. Now we're going to take a break here and when we come back we're going to jump into our normal routine and we're going to get into weather with meteorologist don day but if you want to continue with us as we go through our top 10 lists of 2022 well next week we're going to have episodes four five six and seven of what those were on our rankings and then the week after that join us as we do the top three shows of 2022 so be sure to tune in for the next couple of weeks but right now let's take a break when we come back meteorologist don day will join us when we return on the working ranch radio show starting off in the right direction is essential to gaining an advantage later when you go to market your calves and i have proof that the right direction is with sim angus sired calves a 2020 study by k-state showed that sim angus sired steer calves earn more at sale time than all other breed identified sire groups with at least 50 lots represented on superior livestock's 2020 summer sales the proof's right there for low risk high potential calves with earning potential be confident that sim genetics will give you more per head period stand strong simmental And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills joined now with meteorologist Don Day with a look at our weather. And boy, you've been uh, you've had a busy last week with a pretty significant storm moving in. And now this week, it looks like we've got the back end of this storm has a lot of Arctic cold temperatures in it.
7: Yeah, the storm that uh, uh, a week ago uh, hit California with big snows in the mountains and heavy rains has taken many, many days to go across the country. And due to its slow movement and due to its scope and size, it's going around and grabbing a lot of very cold air out of Alaska and the Northwest Territories and dragging it through Canada, then right into the heart of the North Central United States. And uh, what we do see is a pattern where there's just a lot of cold air, not only on this side of the globe, but Uh, We did see not long ago some 70 to 80 degree below zero temperatures in parts of Siberia. And we have a pattern that's just allowing some of that Arctic air to go south. And uh, we've got a very prolonged spell of very cold weather for most of the country coming up.
0: Well, and and I know the prolongedness of it is that's just what's so tough, you know, when it comes to agricultural is just knowing that we've got a, you know, for livestock and, and everything like that, it's just a matter of keeping them going and keeping something in front of them.
7: Exactly. And, you know, this time of year uh, with the shortest days and the longest nights and you put on the, you put on top of that, the fact that there is extensive snow cover now, um, there's pockets where there's not a lot, but there are pockets where there is a lot over many, many miles. And that makes it easier for these Arctic air masses to come in. And that snow on the ground, this time of year with these long nights, can exacerbate the cold wave. And that's what's going to make this one long-lasting, that is going to be stressful for livestock interest. And just about everybody from the Gulf Coast to the Corn Belt to the Great Lakes and eventually the East Coast could even see near or below freezing temperatures in Florida before this is done.
0: So when we look out uh, with, with the extreme cold that we're seeing, do we see, we know for this could be hanging in there for a couple weeks or so, they always talk about a January thaw. Crossing our fingers, are we going to see a January thaw?
7: Well, we probably will. We'll, we'll see some moderation temperatures because what will happen is, I just talked about how we have all of this cold air in those higher latitudes. Well, when when those pockets of cold air get released, the pattern will naturally build up areas that are a little bit warmer that will eventually move in. You know, and know that's one reason why you you hear that term January thaw. It's a it's a natural reaction to a big Arctic outbreak. The natural reaction is to try to counterbalance that. the The question is though, is is that uh, going into the end of December and into early into January and February, the pattern that we see will likely reload the Arctic again at least one more time, maybe two more times. Hmm. So what we're going to see with these Arctic outbreaks is the potential in January and February to see more. But in between them, there should be some relief. The question is, is how much? And I mentioned snow cover. If we get a lot of snow cover and it sticks around, that's going to play a role. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Real quick, you had mentioned uh, earlier that that's the storm that we saw last week started down in California and slow moving across the country. Uh, the captain was wanting me to visit with you about this. Uh, we do see pretty significant snowpack up in the, up in the mountains that do affect uh, the water down into California, Nevada, in in and that, that southern part of the country. Is what's the future of this? Are we going to see that break a bit? So we're so they're going to kind of come out of their drought situations and refill some of those reservoirs or what's your prognosis for now?
7: Well, we're certainly off to a good start, certainly a much better start than we were a year ago. You know, the Sierra Nevada is between 200 and 250 percent of average. Uh, We're above average all across the Pacific Northwest into the upper Colorado River Basin. Snowpacks are all above average. This is a great start, but you gotta keep it coming. So we're not guaranteed a big runoff yet. We're not guaranteed filling up those reservoirs this yet. Certainly we like what we see, but as we get into January, February, March, especially for the Sierra Nevada, uh, those months are really critical. And then as you get into the Northern and Central Rockies, that March, April, May starts to get really critical for those bigger snows that help out that snowpack. So we're off to a good start. But I'll give you the analogy of of a football game. Mm -hmm. You know, at halftime, you're up two touchdowns, but that doesn't mean you're going to win the game. So we're (laughs) up two touchdowns, but we got another half to go.
0: All right. Well, it's a good start. Uh, Despite the cold weather we're going to have been experiencing and the cold we're going to be having here this coming week. But I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us here with a look at our weather stay warm. And again, that was meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. His website can be found at dayweather.com. You can also find a link into his YouTube channel to watch his daily video podcast. that has been very useful through this extreme weather and uh, encourage you to go and check it out for yourself. We'll stay with us coming up after the break in the vein of uh, looking at our top 10 shows for 2022. I'll list out some of those shows that I think were honorable mentions when we come back after the break. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Real quickly, I did want to mention, I've talked about it in previous shows, about Hydrobed's 20,000 commemorative Hydrobed that is for sale right now on Big Iron. If you want to even just go take a look at it, I encourage you to do that. But all of the money from the sale of that commemorative bed will go to raise money and awareness for kids with type 1 diabetes. So go check it out, the 20,000 commemorative Hydrobed. It's for sale right now, and that sale will be closing on Big Iron on the 21st of December. Now, if In the vein of our show here today, I did want to mention some honorable mentions. As you know, we're going through our top 10 shows of 2022. Here are three shows that I think are honorable mentions. Uh, Episode 92, which was on transportation, something you can't overlook. It was an interview with Aaliyah Hilker Heist with Steve Hilker Trucking out of Kansas. And we talked about how important the trucking industry is to ranching. Episode 86, also insights from markets to weaning. That was an interview with uh, Mr. Clint Berry. And then episode 96 on winter cow nutrition that was with dr megan van emmon with montana state university and dr eric bailey with the university of missouri and also a bonus interview in there with dane cooper on genetic testing he's with zoetis and also founder of performance livestock analytics as he talked about his first-hand experience of testing replacement heifers genetically testing and how that worked and some very interesting information that he found out there so there was were some honorable mentions i'll have a few more next week as we continue our countdown to the number one show of 2022 be sure to to tune in next week uh, and the following week as we continue to do that the working ranch radio show is a production of working ranch magazine branded number one by america's ranchers thanks for joining us i'm your host justin mills and until next time keep your chin down and your mind in the middle sit on